0: Welcome to The Dao Factor. I'm your host, Lisa Yu. I'm a tech investor, entrepreneur, and speaker that got into crypto in 2017. This podcast will cover crypto, DAOs, Web3 communities, and the key leaders behind them. For those who are new to DAOs, a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization that's taking the world by storm. Today, I'm super excited to introduce to you our guest, Talhao Khan, founder of University DAO, a DAO that's looking to end student debt by empowering students to own their university. Their mission is to form a new university system that solves the hardest problems of education that we face today. Thank you so much for joining our podcast. So excited to have you.
1: Absolutely, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. This is my first podcast, so you all will have a delight, and um, hopefully I don't mess it up in any way.
0: Awesome. This is your first podcast ever.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's exciting.
0: That's great. Well, I always start off these conversations with what motivates you to wake up every day?
1: For me, it's I want to change the world. I know it's boring and basic, but um, for me, I want to change the world. Um, I don't know. I grew up um, in a, in kind of a low poverty kind of area. Um, so, you know, for me, it was always... Uh, Get rich or go broke, or die trying, or something along the line.
0: It sounds like a rap lyric. <laughs>
1: hey, I mean, you know, um, but yeah, um, kind of my what what keeps me up and wakes me up in the day is having the opportunity to change the world. Um, whether that's you know through tech and pushing the frontier of tech, or um, through things like government or politics or um, education, or anything that really has a big impact on the world. You know, I I try to keep it broad, but of course, I always have my interest and in specifically right now, it's education with the University DAO.
0: Mm-hmm. So tell us more about University Dow. Like, what inspired you to start this?
1: Yeah, um, so University DAO is the world's first decentralized autonomous university. We're essentially creating the first tokenized university in the interest of ending student debt. So, um, you know, uh, we're making a university full-scale accredited. Um, Students apply. If they get admitted, they pay tuition, and in exchange, they get access to their degree program, as well as their tuition's worth of university coins. When they graduate, if we can create a marketplace for liquidity, students can sell their token on the market and go to school debt-free. The goal is to end student debt by essentially making universities investable assets for the first time ever through tokenomics, and of course, opening up university systems in some ways to the public. Uh, I have a friend of mine; um, he used to be a software engineer at Facebook, named Julian Alvarez. He was exploring crypto, and he learned he came across Axie Infinity uh, mm. and Play to Earn. And uh, I mean, he's he he went through the whole spiel of Axie Infinity. Have you done, have you gone through Axie Infinity before in another podcast, Lisa, if not? Uh, No, I haven't. Oh God. Okay. Uh, Quick thing. You play the game, you make money. You can get scholars to go and play for you and pay them and they'll give you return too. So he was like making money playing. Yeah, he was, he was making money playing Axie Infinity, but he was like hiring teams to play
0: play for him so that he was managing players
1: yes yes, yes.
0: interesting he was sponsoring players and yeah. and he probably gave you the inspiration of hey you can apply that to education why not get paid to learn rather than yeah, yeah. Get paying a lot of money to universities
1: exactly so he came up with the idea of learn to earn he actually used to work at linkedin learning and he went off and started creating his own company uh, right now it's called MindFlow. um they launched a couple weeks ago, so, you know, quick shout-out. But um, when he first introduced me to Learn to Earn, you know, I kind of sat on the idea. A lot of other things kind of inched me closer and closer to crypto and Web3. And um, I don't know what it was. Uh, I really did have a lightning idea moment. I was on my way home to Houston um, for winter, like New Year's. And, shout
0: out to oh, H-Town, my hometown,
1: too. <laughs> you know what's happening? Um, but yeah, so um, I had just got done with Constitution DAO. Um, I was an early investor. I got in at like three 300- yeah. hundred. Okay, they're
0: next on my list to interview on this podcast.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so uh, I got in early for them around three hundred k. Went through the crazy cycle of whatever the heck that was. Um, but you know, wow. it showed me it showed me what a DAO could be. Um, yes. I was just thinking in the car, like, hmm, what kind of like like combining learn to earn and DAOs because I was like on a call with him or something. And I, 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 like like I said, it's a little corny, but I just had like kind of a lightning moment yeah. um, where I realized you could create a university system or, you know, university DAO is straightforward as it sounds, um, that flips the model on its head from pay to play to learn to earn and yes. god at the time it was like a lot of other like lightning things kicked in my head too like you know the regulatory landscape of a lot of crypto is i'll use the word underdeveloped. um yes. as in and, and as it's a like result, an
0: emerging market
1: <laughs> right and and as a result you know both sides of that exist the your your unfortunate crypto scammers but then also the avenue where law itself is being redefined yes and from my perspective you know creating an educational system that flipped its head on itself changing the law in the interest of right a tokenized university which Mm. You know, tokens in itself have its own nuance within the regulatory space. Sure. Um, all these things came to my head and I figured let's make a university system and and being in venture capital, right? Like I understand that the majority of startups and venture capital firms come from university endowments to be large. Yes.
0: I mean, MIT does a lot of VC investments and they've done very well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick fact: I mean, Harvard's returns for PE were seventy-seven percent on the year. Wow, that was the highest Stop. in in their, Stop in their Harvard. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I, but it's straightforward because you know universities are ecosystem place for the entire industry of yes market.
0: It starts with education, right? You educate our people, you fund the ideas, you know, post research exactly. become you know commercialized and. When you have access to the entire chain, that's very empowering. And when the educated people aren't swimming in debt, imagine how much more they can do without the burden on their shoulders.
1: So, you know, um, magic moment. I went to work. I wrote my two-page memo, Mm -hmm. um, just throwing out ideas.
0: I can see the smile on your face as you're talking about you know, writing your memo in the light bulb moment,
1: Lisa. I could talk about it for hours because the story is so like. I really do think you could write a movie on it. it like, if I if I were to like really go nitty gritty into all of it, you'd laugh, and there'd be a lot of really really. <laughs> well,
0: I have so I have some documentary friends. You uh, know, LA. <laughs> I'm sure we can put put something together. You know, fixing the education system could be a Netflix series.
1: Uh, <laughs> hey, I mean, that'd be fun. But no, um, I'll, I'll try to go past the nitty gritty of it all. Um, so yeah, um, you know, the intention is to create a university system that is tokenized in the interest of students, yes. where it's right, a proof of knowledge or proof of education model, where you mint the tokens only when students graduate or pass courses.
0: Like almost like an NFT certificate of completion?
1: We can make NFT completion certificates, but, you know, More well, like
0: a, a token of reward for, for finishing.
1: Yes. And and that's the way I'm structuring it is it is a token directly correlated to the success of the university, not just... The mm-hmm.
0: Oh, so each university can have its own token.
1: Yes. Yes. So we wrote this in the white paper. Interesting. Um, the, the intention, because we don't end student debt unless, you know, all the university systems try to, as well as adopt a token model in the interest of doing so.
0: Right. Well, it, it, and, it, it shifts the interest from the university treasury to like the student community treasury. It's decentralized.
1: And, in, in, you know, there's so many lightning points, even just in that statement. Um, but, and, and I'll, I'll be, I'll be Frank. We're still figuring out all the decentralization on our end. Cause there's so many ways to decentralize the university, but, okay. um, immediately speaking, we have this in our white paper. What makes sense for us is, you know, the funds that students give to universities for their tuition, they should be able to control where it's spent. Right. Um, so being able to guide where your tuition goes. Um, voting on proposals that come for the future of the university and this cohort, right? Yeah. Um, and potentially even writing proposals for the university should go and spend the money um, yeah. because it's their money. They they should have that kind of power and right, ownership right. and insight, at least transparency into right. why our money goes into these places. Otherwise, why am I spending this money?
0: And right. it's a lot of money that students and parents are spending on tuition, but yet they have very little power of where it goes. So
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, contrary to what many people, or at least maybe just not well understood, is that, you know, the quality of your education is directly proportional to how much money you have to teach. But at the same time, if I have a bunch of debt on standby, then not only does that limit my potential as soon as I graduate, which I'm an alumni at that point, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that I'm, I don't still use the university brand and alumni network and learn from them. Yeah, um, But even during right, courses and, and student development, you always have that in the back of your head. Every decision you make in terms of your educational path is based right. on exactly. And from our perspective, we see it as an opportunity to provide a superior education. And I'll say it here. I I think it's one of our advantages as to why we're better than some of the top universities. If you can go to school essentially free, if not make more money because the token's value goes up. Yeah,
0: imagine making, earning money after you, like every year, walking away with an upside.
1: Mm-hmm. And, then,
0: and, and then having a job to step into.
1: It opens gates to what the, the, the structures and roadmap of a student's growth. Definitely. Uh, at least from my perspective, I, th- I think it, 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 it's one of the advantages as to why we're a better university than some of the other universities, you know. Um, of course. Of course, there, there's so many ways to judge a university, though. There's so many metrics.
0: Well, I'm curious, what's your education background? You mentioned growing up below the poverty line. How was that, you know, navigating the education system, public education system? How did you kind of rise above that? And, you know, you're you're probably one of the youngest people I know in BC. So t- tell me your journey of education and how you got to where you are today.
1: My... My specific education path is kind of straightforward. Born in A-Leaf, Houston, so very low poverty line. Mm -hmm. Um, We moved to Katy when I was young. um, But of course, you know, A-Leaf bled into my sisters who are older than me and the rest of my family. Not having the resources to go learn what even is worth learning um, was kind of the things that I faced, right? Like, we barely even had computers in our house. Right. Because um, we were kind of broke, I hate to say it. From my perspective, I got a little bit lucky. My oldest sister was a, a really smart person, and uh, she she kind of set the pace for us um, yeah. from you know elementary to high school to college. I was kind of good at school. I was okay at it. I took a relatively traditional path my sister was the only reason why I honestly went to school because I wouldn't have known how to pay for school. Otherwise Oh, uh, I ended up getting loans from the federal government in order to go and go to school. Right. Right. And I went to UT San Antonio. Um, my sisters both went to UT Austin, of course, having student debt motivated me to do better, but it also motivated me. Well, first and foremost for many people, they don't even get those loans because they don't want that kind of pressure on them, which then mm-hmm. results in them going in, taking a part-time job while they're in school, right. which you know, limits all of their opportunity. I mean, you can't of go course. get
0: You're splitting your time. You can't really focus on your studies. You know, yeah. I, I had, I had two jobs in college. I paid for, paid for college too.
1: Mm-hmm. I was,
0: I was waitressing Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. I had no social life. And then I took I, a TA I a, job.
1: I, I took the loan um my sisters both took loans we were fortunate enough to be pretty good at school naturally at least from my perspective from utsa utsa is a, san antonio is a government city i got the chance to work at nasa so i, I was on the frontier that was fun um, i was at the frontier of tech and at the time you know man i'll, I'll never forget this story um Right. I was working at NASA. I was doing my thing, and we got an email from President Trump. Like, whoa! Everyone in NASA got an email from President Trump. Obviously, he was saying thank you, thank you for what you do. Yeah. We're gonna fight it's for hard you. work.
0: <laughs> Sending rockets into space. Right, but like maintaining the the world leading position.
1: Right, but like, what I realized was that in many ways. NASA's budget and destiny is controlled by Congress, the president, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, alongside UTSA being a government school, I got interested in politics. You know, I do have inspirations of running for office someday, um, whether it's president, governor. Wow. But, you know, I'm young. I'm 23. I still have a lot of time. All of that was an influence into... University DAO because University DAO in itself is one could say a, a, a political movement.
0: It's like a mini, mini government. And if you fix education, I, there would be a lot of supporters to rally. Right,
1: right, and, oh, right, yeah. right. And it's currently sitting in the climate of crypto where, I don't know about you, but I would like to believe that a lot of people on the outside of crypto still think it's kind of not here. It's kind of a scam
0: regulation. Mm, I feel like crypto is a misunderstood form. People don't understand the technology behind it and people tend to be scared of the things that they don't understand. And so that's where education comes in. You're you're not going to be afraid of something if you're educated, right? Even if you look at history, right? People were afraid to travel when they thought the earth was flat and they think that we would fall off the cliff. But once you're educated and you understand history and geography, then, then exploration becomes a lot more exciting and safe, and, and and people will say yes to that. And so I feel like this is the next frontier of the internet. And you know we've had many conversations about this, and you've chosen to tackle the education problem because you've seen it firsthand.
1: Yeah. If we can solve a political problem, a traditional political problem in America, at least, the whole crypto market, gets a better rep. Right. We, we have a, a real use case that can solve political problems that will bring the attention of the legislators. It'll, it'll, it'll get them in our favor. There's so many other markets in crypto that are obviously already doing that, that come with their own nuance and you know, regulatory view. But if you're solving a political problem, then they'll be forced to listen. Yeah, We want to work with legislators to build University DAO and make a framework that can be scaled to other universities. Um, we want Stanford to make Stanford coin. We yeah, want Harvard
0: it. coin, Stanford coin, MIT coin, yes.
1: And, and ideally in the interest of student debt, right? There's, there's, there's a lot of benefits in a coin attached to a university uh, beyond just student debt. But student debt just makes the most sense from a government's perspective. So mm-hmm. specifically the intersection between Web3 and education and teaching the rest of the world about Web3, what better way to do that than to change an entire industry with one of the primary tools of Web3 tokenization? Yeah. Us building, we are a Web2 brand. We are a Web3 brand. We want to merge the two.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That
1: alone will will ideally serve as an on-ramp to Web3. Definitely. And then on top of that, of course, we're, we're going to go and we can go do Web3 specific education to the public, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's specific applications, specific companies, specific tools, uh, specific markets, whatever it is. We have a lot of, of space to play in the education of Web3 onto the world, but we want to make sure, we want to make it clear that we are both. A Web3 brand and a a traditional brand. So we will be educating both, right? Web3 and regular stuff like history or politics or government.
0: I love that. It's like bringing and merging the two worlds so that there's a unified education system. I love that you're mindful of, hey, you need the legislators. You need people on both sides to collaborate, to work together. It's not working in a silo. I wanna know kind of like, what do you feel like is broken in the education system today, You know, in the traditional world
1: and how you're looking to be the bridge to solve this problem? Easy, obvious one is student debt. We've already gone through all that. So I'll, yep. I'll, I'll, I'll hit kind of more nuanced parts of learning itself. And I'll start with this. We're still figuring out our curriculum. So we're still figuring out where it makes sense to do different things from the existing university structure. But one of the things that doesn't make sense to me with universities is uh, weed out courses. I don't know if you've experienced them, but I have certainly experienced weed
0: out Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: The emphasis on repetition of content that may or may not be useful in everyday life is a use of time that could be used for better, more important things. Um, oh, of course.
0: I mean, we, they should teach like personal finances in high school. The, the reason pe- like America's in debt, not just education debt, but just credit card debt, debt in general, mm-hmm. is there's the lack of education, of finances, just practical personal finances.
1: Even one of the, the dynamics in that is motivation, right? Like how do you motivate students? Mm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even say the word students. How do you motivate people to learn? Mm-hmm. And with the existing university structures, it's get a job,
0: right? And repetition, take a test, standardized test, get a job, yeah. become a worker bee, right?
1: Right, and so, and and for a lot of universities, e- even if there is a repetition and call them weed out courses, one of the dynamics is the teacher to student ratio where. Obviously speaking, if you have 70 students for one teacher, that teacher cannot get to everyone. So since we're building a university from the ground up, you know, we can control that in many ways. If finances are not an issue, both from the student perspective and from the university perspective, since we're starting from the ground up, Mm -hmm. we really have an opportunity to provide an optimized high quality education as opposed to quantity where... Right. In, ma- in many university systems, the only reason why they have so many students is because they need the money.
0: They make more money. Is one teacher? There's 300 students. If they add 100 more students, they make 100 headcounts more.
1: One could say that that is a feature, not a bug, in the grand scheme of education from a government's perspective, because mm. you need you need to go and educate as much as you can as many people. Mm-hmm. But our philosophy is that that does not have to come as a trade-off, or at least we sit in in an opportunity where we can have both.
0: You want to propose a better alternative. You're not saying scratch and close down all the existing systems that exist. You're like, hey, there's this tokenized economy where people can vote with what they do with the tuition money. They can choose their own curriculum and courses. They can have smaller class sizes. People can also fund your education, not just the government, but private parties can also fund you. We've seen little glimpses of that in some private institutions, but Mm -hmm. doing that on the education scale can actually put more people in school. It'll help more people stay in school. A lot of people drop out because they just can't afford it. That's just the truth.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and and it's, you know, there's two points on that, right? We We actually explored a model where you you would get your coin as soon as you pay tuition, every semester, which lets people essentially try college if they want to, oh, and, and sell their coin regardless. But one could say that that's not university friendly, where you might have a lot of dropouts at, because of that. And at least for the time being, you know, we came to the decision that you have to graduate fully to get all your coins. But we want to work towards. A model where you can right students can try college if they want to
0: you're a lot more low risk because you're not paying a bunch of tuition up front because that's mm-hmm. the another problem is you pay all this money up front you get all these loans mm-hmm. and then you might decide it's not for you or you might choose the wrong major but you've already forked out tens of thousands of dollars
1: the, the point that i like to get to the most is um the ex- two things the existing university system gives you nothing it does not give you any coin you Pay your money and then you get an education, right? Mm -hmm. So, creating a a certificate
0: and some people don't even use it.
1: (laughs) Right. On top of providing a token upon admission is better than the existing structure than getting nothing. Mm -hmm. The existing political climate around education and student debt is for the government to just go forgive a bunch of money. Right. Which, in my opinion, has its merits. Um, but it also has its flaws, right? Like it, the way I articulated it, it's a Band-Aid. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in 20 years, the student debt number is going to rise again because we have to teach students again and more students.
0: Uh, to yeah.
1: To the system. So it, the, the real issue with education is the rising tuition rates.
0: Right. And then you you add inflation on top of that.
1: No, tuition beats, tuition rates rising beats tuition. I don't remember the numbers that I have in the white paper, but I wrote this. I want to say it's, I'll be safe and say it's over 20% more than inflation's increase. Wow. Off of sheer comparison between inflation and university tuition rates. It's very clear that it's getting actually more expensive, regardless of how much money
0: it's getting even more unapproachable for people who come from our backgrounds right mm-hmm. you have to take mm-hmm. out more no loans then you have to get a, a second or third job just to pay for college
1: with the existing political climate everyone's asking the government to bail them out but our perspective is you know e- educational institutions should be doing more to end student debt they're the ones who yeah or you cause it right um, but, but the attention isn't there, among other things, for many reasons.
0: You've got to create debt. a movement of people who are actually taking action because you're like, governments aren't taking action. The, these institutional um, universities aren't taking action to end student debt. The loan companies aren't taking action because they love the interest rates. So then what's left? It's the people who are getting educated, empowering them to choose their own path.
1: yes. And no, um, the way that we see solving student debt, both parties would love the idea because I mean, it's, it's capitalism at its greatest to be completely fair, but student debt right now is a very concentrated problem. It's concentrated in the students and the government. That's the only people who are trying to solve it. We see a land where the government, the educational institutions, and the financial markets are all incentivized together to solve the issue in the first place. And, you know, that ideally is done through tokenomics and being able to invest in an asset. And I, we wrote this in the paper, in the white paper, in an asset that is both speculatively and utility based to attach that's attached to the university so you would be you know a student would be buying a token that's speculatively correlated to the university that also comes with its utility of you get access to these courses you get to vote on governance Mm. you get to see the proposals of interest that the university is doing have more transparency It, it is a token gated community at its finest. Um, but then when, you know, someone on the public market is buying the token from the student, not only is that a distribution of student debt across, right, obviously the educational institution that's going to give scholarships to the student, the government, but also the financial markets for people who want ownership and access to the university. So one could see a world where if university DAO, makes 50% return on the endowment that we have. Mm -hmm. Our worth, our value is going to be much more on a speculative level. Attach that to a staking system where if you buy the token on the market, you can stake and earn return. There's real utility there and there's financial gain for people to go and liquidate students. Um, Or students might even hold the coin if they want to, right? You might make money off the coin. Yes, we see it as a distribution of student debt from fifty thousand to one student. To at least in the case of Stanford or a traditional university, we give you twenty five hundred of that in scholarship, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe we take back your coin. Maybe we don't either or. But you know that could be seen as a deflationary mechanism for the university giving scholarship, so we don't keep making coin. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, allowing the public to have access to the university as well as returns by basically distributing that student debt that the university yeah. took in the first place from students. I articulated it as take in the traditional concept of right, social medias and their companies take a lot of take from creators mm-hmm. Universities do the same thing with students yeah. at a massive scale. It's a long road for us, but we see avenues where that can work and the distribution can come from other utility we offer to people on the public market, like giving them access to lecture content or events if they hold the coin without having to go through the admission system.
0: It's like making it an investable asset.
1: Yeah, an investable asset. that's ideally a token-gated community, teaching the world, boosting the economy. Yes. I see You know, avenues where there's large market universities, small market universities, medium market universities that entities like hedge funds, pensions could invest in. And at the same time, right, you are liquidating students. You get access to the university if you need it. Yeah. And um, ideally return. Um,
0: Yeah. It makes business sense. It's not just, we're not trying to give grants here. This is a token that can rise in value.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What would you say are the benefits of running a university as a DAO and kind of like walk us through, you know, let's say let's say I'm a student and I want to join this university, this new university. What what would be kind of the first steps that I would take?
1: I'll start with two caveats. We're still really early. Yes, we take the, the position that the very definition of a DAO is still undefined. And in many ways, it doesn't make sense to decentralize things because centralized models work sometimes. So yes, we want to be a decentralized university, but where it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Decentralization for decentralization's sake just complicates things. So um, that's kind of the philosophy we're operating under as we create university now, Mm -hmm. Uh, which inherently we believe will redefine the definition of what a DAO really is, what level of decentralization constitutes a DAO. Um, now, going into, right, like, why be a DAO? What are the benefits and how, like, step-by-step student path, right? I'll start with student path. Students would apply to University DAO, same as any other university. If they get admitted, they would have to pay tuition, whether it's USD or USDC. In hey, the- <laughs> we will take crypto too. Um, in the beginning, we might have to start with USDC and USDC out of sheer. We need to de-risk it because yes. we're small in the beginning. You will need to pay your tuition. We have to have an income source at the start because we don't have any money. A model like Harvard could charge not could charge nothing and give me coins if they wanted to, cause they have enough money. But since mm-hmm. we're starting early, this is the roadmap we've chosen. So you'd have to pay tuition. And then you get asked to your degree. Upon paying tuition, we would set up a wallet for you and administer and mint the equal amount of coin in exchange for your tuition token or your your tuition in USD. We're still figuring out the rates of how many specifically that means, whether that's 4,000, like whether it's matched between $1 to one USDC or not. But ideally, it would match the market once we've created the market uh, externally too. So you would get the coin... In your wallet. The wallet will be locked until your graduation. You would go through the degree program, and upon graduation, you would the the wallet would be unrestricted. You would get access to the wallet and mm. you can do whatever you want with it and go sell it. And and like I said, we're still figuring some of the decentralization out, but upon admission, you would also get your governance coin. Governance tokens would be separate from university coins. We're still figuring out if that's an NFT or not. Mm-hmm. You have governance tokens and Immediately speaking, the university would set up proposals as to uh, what teachers to retain potentially. Do you want to keep these teachers or not? What courses do you want to add vote on that? Be able to propose on that at any point. Ideally, proposals would go all through smart contracts so that a board or a regent or president structure, the proposal structures would be open at all points. So anyone could propose things simple snapshot stuff. From there, we would have to figure out where it makes sense to decentralize the rest of the university's operations. Got it. There, there are so many personas at play beyond just students, right? Like, how do we attract teachers? How do we make sure teachers are given governance rights in some ways to be able to make sure that yes. they're, they're, you know, catered to too?
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Like, teachers are the backbone of education. So my question was, you know, how do you plan to attract teachers, or have you already started to onboard teachers who be teaching lessons? And if so, you know, what subjects will they cover? Um, Are you starting by uh, focusing on a certain set of subjects, or are you going broad? Are you going you know, narrow or broad. So super curious to hear on the teacher front, kind of that, you know, being the backbone of education, what are your plans? And I love that you want to involve the teachers in the voting and in the governance, because it's so crazy how teachers some, sometimes have no say in a university's decision. And you're like, um, hello, these are the most important people here. Like, please give them a vote. Please give them a voice.
1: I'll start with I'm going to dodge the question a little bit. <laughs> But, it's okay,
0: if you're too early. This is all, we're all figuring yeah. this out together.
1: Yeah. So, attracting professors, one simple way is just pay them more. I mean, mm. university right. professors are not paid very much money. Um, <laughs> and starting from the ground up, we want to start with the endowment, to be completely frank. Mm. Um, if you start with the endowment, you know, we can make return while we make our first degree programs, it's going to take a long time to make degree programs so we'll be making a return while we make the degree program so right. starting with the endowment would give us funds to and profit ideally i'll say returns to right just flat out pay pay teachers to come and join better mm-hmm. than the existing rate other avenues of incentivizing professors to join we're still figuring it out because we're still figuring out where it makes sense to plug teachers into the decentralized governance process. We, we can't make the university unless we have money, which is why we're starting with the endowment first. Once we have the endowment, then we can actually go and look at the decentralized models that make the most sense.
0: Well, I would say a lot of these teachers and PhDs, they're in debt themselves because they've been in school for a long time.
1: You can never bank on goodwill of, I like the mission, I want to join you. But certainly creating structures that incentivize professors, both from a student debt perspective, their own student debt, as well as their own research freedom is one of the things that we really want to focus on. So amazing. Uh, going kind of to, to direct roadmap, we're, we want to, and we still need to make a cost benefit analysis on this, but... We want to start with a visiting fellows program. Mm. It's the simplest to run. You know, we don't need a whole degree program, but very tight knit cohort based models of bringing scholars together.
0: Oh yeah. Cohort based models are very effective. Uh,
1: Bringing them together to change the world is, and do research, obviously, whatever it is we bring them into, whether that's, uh, you know, commercialization of research that they're doing or just scholarly research and writing papers, right? Incentivizing visiting scholars to come in that way in the beginning will boost our reputation, which is needed to go attract other students. So we want to start with the visiting fellows program. It's light and it fits into the feedback loop of building the reputation of university now and getting our feet wet with creating educational structures for that. With that in mind, right, we want to start as a research university, to be completely frank. The, the traditional definition of a university is largely perceived as courses. When you really think about it, it's kind of not surprising that a lot of universities start as research institutions.
0: In research institutions, there's so much research and knowledge that come out of these organizations. Mm-hmm. I feel like they have the education courses to fund the research.
1: You, you get into my point. Yes,
0: there. I understand how. Yes, this is how it all works.
1: You, you know there are feedback loop systems for creating universities and there are specific orders in which you, you know, executing those feedback loops Mm -hmm. help you build into the next beachhead of interest. And the deeper point is there's a difference between the traditional definition of education and experiential learning. One could say that providing, you know, a career fair for their students to go get a job is like experiential learning post-university. That university got you a job so that you can learn, so that you can be a good good, uh, citizen, as well as go make money and be useful in society. So we want to really dig into, at least at the beginning, dig into more experiential learning than traditional course-based stuff. Out of sheer, it takes a long time to create
0: you can do these, like, workshops and cohorts to start mm-hmm. to get people skilled quickly. And then w- in the meantime, you're building these longer-term curriculum in connection with the professors and teachers that you bring on board.
1: Right. You, you don't attract undergrad 17-year-olds unless you have world-class people teaching. Mm -hmm. You don't attract world-class people to teach unless you let them do what they want in terms of research or commercialization of products, whatever their passion really desires in the broader scope of what I call experiential learning. So that's kind of the way I would articulate both the approach we want the education structure to be, as well as how we'll motivate right yeah to join, students to join, as well as our immediate roadmap as to what we will do as soon as we raise our funds and we can go create the the educational content that we need to.
0: I am so excited to follow your journey and to see kind of what comes about, you know, with this whole decentralized education platform where teachers and students both have votes and governance and have a say where People can finish their education and not be swimming in school debt. Um, I'm sure that all the doctors and lawyers would love exactly what you're doing um, because they are still, a lot of them are still paying off their debt, even as they're, you know, practicing in their career. It could take years to pay that down because of the interest rates that they quote unquote signed up for, you know, just to kind of like close out the conversation, what are the long-term goals of the Dow you know, obviously you're starting with this experiential kind of research-focused university. Is your plan to create universities all around the world?
1: Down the line, if the opportunity presents itself, I would not be opposed to universities in other nations. The only, the only real place that it, that it kind of sits with me is You know, student, ending student debt is an American problem. So we need Uh, to start.
0: Exactly, it's an American problem. So We need to
1: start here. We're we're figuring out the appropriate incorporation structure for what we're doing because of the regulatory landscape is horrible. And we're integrating with existing university models. Ideally, we incorporate as a nonprofit and we would raise donations. Now, 50 million is a number for us. And I've benchmarked this with other universities. There's another university in Austin. Uh, being made called the university of Austin, brand new university. They raised 10 million in six weeks.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: They want to raise 250 million before they have degree programs. So as, as like a benchmark, right? Why I say the number 50.
0: Uh, okay.
1: Um, we want to raise 50. We would invest about, we, we would incorporate the university down management company and make the endowment and invest about 80% of 50 million, right? Returns from their investments would go back to degree program creation And that 20%, we would go make the degree programs and and educational content that we need. Once we raise the funds, the first thing in my mind would be creating the visiting scholars programs and research institutions. I want to be a world-class research institution and I want to be a world-class startup institution. I want to focus on commercialization of both research and um, products because it's just one of the best optimizations for a university system as a whole. And it creates arguably the most value.
0: Rather than something being stuck in research, you can commercialize it, make a profit, and that can feed back into the education.
1: Exactly. And and it builds a reputation too. All right. And then from there, once we have the research institution, Bill Tal, Business Scholars Program, and we still need to figure this out, but out of sheer ease, we'd probably start with grad grad programs and then undergrad programs. Ah. And you know, after that, I mean it's it's horses racing, we're, we're a full scale university. And the long term goal for that would be to reduce the world's student debt ratio by I'll say a number here, but ninety percent. Wow. I'll say a number.
0: That's huge. Yeah. I,
1: and I think it's doable if the rest of the universities come on board.
0: Yeah. But oh, I
1: can't do that without great goal. Politicians and legislators and you know, donors. Uh, mm-hmm. people who, who have changed the world already. So ideally we make a, some form of a consortium that brings the rest of the university systems in the world together to tokenize themselves. I want to work with them to make a. I want to work their.
0: collaboration. Got it. And you know, what's your advice to people who are just getting into Web3, just getting into DAOs?
1: Contribute to a DAO that's good. Mm. otherwise you won't get the appropriate experience yeah like like in my case my intro was constitution Dow. and for me like i i, I mentioned earlier i want to be president i want to run for office it made sense for me to want to buy the constitution i'd be okay yeah. so a lot of just check boxes ticked off for me and like it was a no-brainer to go give them some money and if i make money on the side because of it cool you're supporting the cause. Um, with Constitution ConstitutionDAO specifically, I would like to believe I got the full stack experience of operating and helping a DAO, even if, if it was just flat out giving them money and watching and supporting through Twitter. I would say really find the DAOs that are the best to contribute to.
0: And something you're passionate about that aligns with your values and your interests.
1: Doing that with a DAO that you like, that you're willing to lose all your money for, and you're allowed to invest a small amount if you can. I think is the best way to get into DAOs because the very definition of a DAO is a big question mark still. Um, <laughs> yeah. And for people in web3 read read
0: <laughs> read
1: everything educate yourself. Comes. There is a transition from observer and investor in web3 to builder. Mm-hmm. And that is only ever solved by consciously telling yourself, I have to learn all of it. Yeah, It's going to be a long curve because there's a lot of people in this space already making a lot of money. I might get scammed. The true moment for me where I, I feel like I broke into crypto, it's a stupid story, but I was in a discord. I think it was for constitution now and I like literally had no clue what was going on. I literally yelled in the the discord general chat. How, what is going on? Someone teach me here. (laughs) How does this all work? (laughs) Someone responded and said, dude, just go look up the word NFT. Like go learn. And uh, and, and, like as simple as it sounds like, Mm. like I feel like a lot of people get lost in the investment hype and the money making hype pulls away from, Really, the heart of it, which is, go learn it all. Go That's learn. How you become a good investor and a good get builder. educated
0: on the topic before you spend the money to invest.
1: Do both. Spend the money to learn, knowing right. that you're going to lose all your money, and if you make money, yeehaw. Um,
0: right. I mean, hey, maybe you'll invest in something that pops. You know.
1: Right. You hesitate, but, but,
0: but you want to be somewhat educated before you don't want to just throw a dart. Yeah. All blind. Right. You want to, I mean, it goes back to education, right? Anytime there's something new or even something historical, if you don't know something, go learn it. That's wow. the lesson of, of the hour.
1: Go learn it. Go do it. Go, go do it. it
0: and go by doing it. you'll learn.
1: And, and read because there's so much stuff to read in crypto. Yeah, there's a lot of alpha in the big memos that come from the people who really know the space. I think that's one of the beautiful things about um, Web3. The most powerful people in Web3 are just so open to sharing their thoughts, specifically on Twitter, which is like literally getting a PhD in Web3.
0: Well, you know, we talked about learning. We've talked about, you know, education. I want to know who are your favorite teachers growing up and who are your mentors and teachers now?
1: My greatest teachers were people who inspired me, Elon, Kobe, astronauts.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: The, the inspirations to me were my, the things that taught me the most. I use those as my mentor. You aspire to be your inspiration. Mm-hmm. and then Once you're at the point where you are the inspiration, you're competing with your inspiration. Ooh. So
0: you
1: kind of, you, you kind of th- th- there's, there's a flip at points. My inspirations were my biggest mentors.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I love that. Okay, well, final question for you. What's a personal motto that you live by or a quote that inspires you?
1: One, one that I've been using as of late that I think has been guiding a lot of what I do is it's not even really a quote. It's just like a, four words that I feel constitute a lot of the things that i categorize categorize myself into patience persistence glitches and peace persistence you need persistence for anything you do ever yes patience is what will keep you away from the local maxima both of those lead you to the glitches that take you to the you know new troughs beyond the local maxima mm. And a lot of the time, at least in our game with startups, a lot of it is luck, uh, which is what I kind of well, walk up to in glitches, right? Like
0: yeah. So this could be a, a whole another hour conversation, but is luck something that's random or do you create
1: it? I think you create it. You probably aren't supposed to be in the position to create in the first place.
0: Mm. So, Yes, we're at the right place at the right time. The fact that we were birthed out of all the natural selection of eggs and sperm that makes us really lucky to be alive.
1: Yeah, but well, but like even then, right? Like when you reach the new game that has the new local maxima, out of luck most of the time, but usually as a function of both the patience and persistence. The goal is to find peace Mm. because you just got skyrocketed. Peace. Into a new glitch, right? Like, for example, right? Like, a a simple example is like some Stanford kid who's just a kid, probably has student debt, has a solid idea, goes and pitches it, has
0: Mm -hmm. patience
1: and persistence. Yep. And then has a million dollar check in their hand because someone believed in them. Someone believed that who they are, the kind of individual, their background is similar to something else or that they've seen, whatever it is, they have that belief capital that takes you to the glitches. But even in that you, you have to find pieces, peace inside of the glitches to retain a new level of patience and persistence. Yes. So that's kind of my, my, my roadmap that I, I try to keep and compartmentalize all the things that I do in my head
0: I love it well thank you so much for joining our podcast and for sharing your experience with us your DAO so excited that we have great people trying to fix education because it's universally known to be broken so um, I always love having conversations with brilliant minds who are changing the world and I think you're clearly an example of that Um, Thanks for spending time to share about your DAO. And where can people find University DAO? Just let us know where to go.
1: All I can say is thank you so much for having me. Um, It's been a wonderful conversation. I hope our conversation can bleed into the hearts of many people beyond just me and you. For University DAO, um, check us out on Twitter, um, University DAO with no spaces. Um, We're the first one. The website is universitydao.xyz. If there's something that I would tell you to do immediately, go read the white paper. It has everything. It has our whole roadmap. It has the political context. Uh, It is really my brainchild. We have a Discord. It's on the Twitter as well. From there, I would say feel free to reach out if you feel like there are avenues where you can support either us or we can support you. You know, Mm -hmm. we're looking for a lot of things. We put it explicitly in the roadmap on the white paper what we're looking for can help in those days, uh, news, we'll take all the help we can get.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see University Dow all around the world and all the research projects that will be birthed out of it.
1: Super exciting. All right, so let's change the world.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on Season 1 of The Dow Factor. Follow The Dow Factor on Twitter and YouTube to watch videos of our podcast, where we'll be dropping a new video every week, featuring key leaders of DAOs, community builders, and leaders in Web3.